Well, good morning, Sunrise. How are you guys doing today on this beautiful Sunday afternoon? Morning. It's not afternoon yet. Morning. My brain is projecting forward. It is good to be here worshiping with you guys on this day. Um, one, I don't know if you, if you are new to Sunrise. I'll teach you guys something this morning. Or if you're a longtime member of Sunrise, this is not new. But one of our core values at Sunrise is to be thankful. It's our thankfulness value. And so this morning when we, uh, when we worship, especially with this first song, it's called I Thank God, we're going to express our thankfulness to God as we worship Him and give our gratitude to Him. So for all of us, there are bumps along the road in our journeys together, but there's always time, always a reason to be, um, to be thankful, to show our gratitude to God. So why don't you guys stand with us as we sing and praise Him this morning. weary soul this bag of bones and I try with all my might but I just can't win the fight I'm slowly drifting oh a vagabond just when I ran out of road I met a man I didn't know and he told me that I was not alone. You picked me up, you turned me around, you placed my feet on solid ground. I thank the Master, I thank the Savior, because you healed my heart, you changed my name, forever free. I'm not the same. I thank the Master, I thank the Savior. I thank God. I cannot deny what I've seen. Got no choice but to believe. My doubts are burning like ashes in the wind. So, so long to my old friends. Bitterness, you can't just keep them moving. Now nah, you ain't welcome here. Now, till I walk the streets of gold, I'll sing of how you saved my soul. This wayward son has found his way back home. You picked me up, you turned me around, you placed my feet. I thank the Savior because you healed my heart. You changed my name forever free. I'm not the same. I thank the Master. I thank the Savior. I thank God. See, let's rejoice together. I lost another one. I am free. Let's declare it. I am free. Yes, I am free. I lost another one. I am free. 
song um, so it's very hymny actually so it's pretty repetitious pretty easy to catch on to but go ahead and listen to the first verse we sing and join in on the second or third whatever you feel comfortable let's continue to worship together
you pray with me, please? that you fill us and just like we sing even when we feel broken that's when your grace and your power is seen even more Lord we we ask you to fill us we come to you humbly in our brokenness and in our rejoicing but let us not think that it's our own goodness. Thank you that we can rest in you. Lord, open our eyes to see you at work in our lives and our families and our the people around us, the creation around us, even when we see the things that are broken, the world that's hurting. God, help us to still see that you are at work. You have not given up. You restore. You bring things to life. Thank you for meeting us where we are in life and in death, in pain and in rejoicing. Lord, not on our own strength, but Christ in us. Help us to see that in a new way this morning. Open our ears and let us see that in our lives in the week ahead. In your name we pray. Amen. Everyone here this morning, welcome all of you guys online worshiping with us as well. It is good for Carissa and I to be back. We were on vacation the past couple of weeks, traveling all the way around Lake Michigan, actually visiting people kind of as we went north, did Mackinac, visited people in Green Bay, and then came all the way back around again. So... But it's good to be back with you guys and worshiping with you in person. So, uh, how to, um, well, first I want to welcome any guest who may be here for the first time. Special welcome to you guys. Um, we have a QR code. Well, actually, um, we don't anymore. We had them on the backs of the chairs, but we don't now. But I would welcome you after the service to walk back to the Connect table in the lobby. And um, someone will greet you at the Connect table and answer any questions you may have about Sunrise. We also have a free gift we'd love to give you as well. Um, you can check out our website, peruse any, uh, all of our ministries here at Sunrise, and we'd love to connect with you about that. Um, I have a few announcements for us this week um, to walk through, the first of which is Wine and Theology is happening this week. Now, this slide up on the screen does say July 19. It's actually July 18. It's Tuesday night. We always have Wine and Theology and Pub Theology on Tuesday nights, so... Ignore that. It's the 18th. So Tuesday was a new location. We're at um, Rush Creek Bistro this time. So women, if you've not been a part of that, um, it's a wonderful time of just talking, conversing about God, and just connecting with each other, having great conversations. So email Pam, Pam Rosema, um, if you have any questions or about, um, about what that would be like. So next, we uh, are, you've, we've been talking about this for several weeks now, but we are partnering with Love Your Neighbor. Um, for a clothing, actually not clothing drive, for a school supply drive. Um, we're collecting school supplies for Jenison Junior High. And uh, you can pick up a supply list on the table in the lobby to the left of the Connect table and leave your donations right on the table next week or the, whenever you come back again. You can drop that off there. 
We'll be collecting those throughout the summer. Lastly, we don't have a slide for this because I added this in last minute, but if you've been following our Facebook page, next week, I'm pretty excited, the worship team, we are having a throwback worship Sunday. So we'll be doing your hits, your favorites from the 80s, 90s, whenever. So if we do have a little Google form on our Facebook page, if you want to jump on there and throw, cast your votes for your favorite throwback worship songs, I think there's a list of 10-ish of them. Or if you don't see your favorite, you can write in your favorite. We'll, keep, we'll look at those two. We do have two very clear front runners right now. I will not tell you what they are. You'll have to wait till next week. But um, So yeah, jump on today. Throw your votes in because tomorrow I'll be finalizing the set list for next Sunday. So that said, um, we're done with announcements. So we're going to take a few minutes to greet one another. Maybe say hi to someone you don't know. This is also time for our kids to head out to their special programming. Let's talk. Okay, folks, go ahead and find your seats now. Okay. Okay, now. Okay. That was like an extra 30 seconds. We called three whole minutes, and you still went over. That's, that's fine. It's fine. Good morning, Sunrise. Uh, my name is Noah, uh, and we're going to be continuing our sermon series on the book of Haggai this morning. And we're going to pick up right where Pastor Dennis left off last week. Um, in Haggai chapter 1, beginning in verse 12. And we're going to go through verse 15. There it is. Uh, go through verse 15, kind of. I'll explain that in just a second. So, <clears throat> Haggai, beginning in verse 12. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice and that's highlighted for a reason. We'll get back to it. They obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai because the Lord their God had sent him and the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you. Also highlighted for a reason. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Josedach, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month. Now, you'll notice many of you in your translations, probably I cut off the last half of verse 15. Um, here in the NIV, it says, on the 24th day of the sixth month, in the second year of King Darius. But some other translations might end the chapter right there with a period, and then say, in the second year of King Darius, on the 21st day of the seventh month, in chapter 2. Uh, this is a great reminder to us this morning that this book was written a long time ago, thousands of years, um, and it was written not here, but actually on the other side of the planet, and it was written not in English, but in Hebrew, and that the chapter and verse markers that we find in the text are foreign to it. They were added later. They weren't in the original manuscripts, so we should never base our theology on like where the verse numbers fall. That has nothing to do with the rest of the sermon this morning. Um, I just really, I, I like to introduce some, some hermeneutical uh, knowledge whenever I can. So what are we talking about this morning? The main message uh, that I want to convey, here it is, grace precedes obedience. If you remember nothing else this morning, I need you to remember this, that God always moves toward us 
before he ever asks us to do anything. Grace will always precede obedience. And later we're going to talk about how grace, not only does it precede obedience, but it overcomes disobedience. That'll come toward the end. Uh, So uh, we're talking about this, of course, primarily through this framework of covenant theology. Many of you have probably heard the word covenant before, especially here in a church setting. Uh, And you know that a covenant is like a promise. But a covenant is not like a, like a pinky promise, cross my heart and hope to die. Uh, and it's not like a business deal, if you scratch my back, then I'll scratch yours. Uh, and if we're not careful, it can start to look like that if we aren't being critical. But rather, a covenant is a promise based on two things. A covenant is based on relationship, that is, two strangers cannot properly covenant with one another. Um, Or if they are strangers, when they begin the covenant, through the covenant, they will build a close relationship. You cannot covenant without a relationship. And second of all, uh, a covenant is a promise based on the fruit that it is going to bear. It isn't just for the benefit of the two parties who are covenanting, but actually extends in benefit to those around them. Uh, I have on here that covenants are non-fungible, um, which isn't a word that I knew before NFTs, if anyone's familiar with like Bitcoin and stuff. Uh, but non-fungible means it can't be changed. You can't just swap out the partners in a covenant. Uh, this person just doesn't do it for me anymore. Um, this person broke a couple of the terms of our covenant, so I'm just going to be done with it. That's not how it works. Actually, a covenant lasts forever. Uh, uh, I have a lot of examples here. The only one that I'm going to talk about right now is marriage. Uh, Marriage is a space at weddings. You often hear people talk about the covenant of marriage. And that covenant of marriage is more than just a relationship between two people who love each other very much. That's sweet. Um, And, you know, watching TV and eating ice cream late at night and snuggling on the couch. That's nice, but that's not a marriage covenant. A marriage covenant says to the other person that in, you know, sickness and in health and in poverty and in wealth, um, in good times and in bad, you and I are going to support each other. Not just love each other, like look deep into each other's eyes, uh, but we're going to support one another and encourage one another. And not only you and I, but also the potential offspring of our union. We covenant with our children as well that we are going to love and support them, and if you're in a Christian household, that you will raise them in the way of the Lord. And through those children, you're going to benefit the community around you, that they would go out and be the hands and feet of Jesus. So when two people covenant in marriage, it is not merely two people saying, I love you very much. Much more than that is people saying, I am faithful to you, and through that, faithful to our children, and through that, faithful to our community. Uh, And of course, in our passage today, we are reminded of the covenant between not two people, uh, but between God and his people. Uh, This is something they would have been familiar with. This original audience of Haggai, the remnant of Israel, would have traced these covenants all the way back through the very beginning there with Adam. Um, In the beginning, God covenants with Adam and Eve. He walks with them in the garden, relationship. And he blesses them and says to be fruitful and multiply and cover the face of the earth, and you will have dominion over all things. And that dominion isn't just for their benefit, it is for the benefit of creation, that actually creation will thrive under their stewardship, relationship, the fruit that it bears. Uh, Then we have Noah. God narrows 
the Adamic covenant. He doesn't break it. He doesn't do away with it, but narrows it and specifies it onto Noah and his descendants. That again, they should cover the earth, be fruitful, multiply, have dominion. And then again, later, God narrows his covenant to apply to Abraham and his descendants. I'm going to make your children like the sand on the seashore. You won't be able to count them. I'm going to bless you to be a blessing. The relationship, the fruit. He narrows again and specifies with Moses and Israel gathered at Sinai. We call it the Mosaic Covenant because he was kind of in charge at the time. But this is where the people receive uh, the Ten Commandments. But not only that, God says, I will be your God, you will be my people. And you will be a priestly nation so that everyone who looks at you will see me. Relationship, fruit bearing. And then I have here uh, David, God covenants with King David, that he would be with him, his spirit would reside on him, and that David's throne would be established forever, that the person who sits on the throne would rule with mercy and justice. And you'll notice I have up here one more, Zerubbabel, do I have a laser pointer? There it is. Zerubbabel with a question mark on the end. Because the remnant of Israel in our story returning from exile would have had this question in their mind. Where do we fall in these covenants? What is our place in this covenant theology that we trace all the way back to the beginning? And we find very quickly uh, that the people in Israel have inherited a broken covenant. Actually, if I jump back to this slide real quick, uh, we could see that every one of these covenants had been broken, some of them almost immediately. Adam and Eve fell into sin. They ate the fruit in the garden, um, fell away from relationship with God. Noah, similarly, consumed the fruit in a garden. He was naked, right? Adam, uh, Adam and Eve and Eden have repeated themselves in the person of Noah. The, the broken relationship continues. Uh, Abraham, not a great guy. Uh, if you read most of the stories about Abraham, he's usually lying about something. Um, broken relationship. Moses, uh, famously had anger issues. He's smacking rocks and killing Egyptians and um, wants to do things his way instead of God's way. Broken relationship. David, famously uh, uh, murdered someone, committed adultery, violence, never left his household. Broken relationship. And now these Israelites returning from exile um, in the prom- uh, exile in Babylon, returning to the promised land, have inherited this brokenness. And they live up to that brokenness. Uh, They fail to fulfill their end of the covenant. Uh, We read last week that the people did not rebuild God's temple. But instead, they focused their time, their efforts, their resources on their own desires, on their own fancy paneled houses. And we saw the fruit of that brokenness, right? The fruit of good covenant um, is the blessing of all people, that those who would look at Israel would see God. But the fruit of their unfaithfulness was that they planted crops, uh, and not as much grew as they had hoped for. And they were expecting rain, but not as much came as they had hoped for. And they received their wages, but it felt like they had a hole in their pocket. They couldn't stretch that dollar as far as they used to. They find themselves completely unsatisfied because of their own unfaithfulness. And we pick up uh, their accusation here in verse 12. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Joshua, son of Josedach, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God 
and the message of the prophet Haggai because the Lord their God had sent him and the people feared the Lord. Uh, the official, official title of the sermon this morning, I believe, is uh, God's People Responding to God's Judgment or How Do God's People Respond to God's Judgment? Dennis came up with the title. It's a good title. Um, <laughs> Trust me, but uh, that theme is what I'm trying to highlight this morning, that we need to examine how do we, when we have also inherited a broken covenant, how do we respond to God's judgment? And here, uh, we find this word, obeyed. They obeyed the voice. And if you remember my slide, I won't click back to it, about the main point of today is that grace precedes obedience. Grace comes before obedience. But right now, it doesn't look like grace is coming before obedience. Uh, It looks a lot like God said the crops didn't grow, the rain didn't come, the money wasn't good enough, um, and then the people obeyed and they feared the Lord. But that's not the end of the story, and uh, to highlight what I mean uh, exactly by this, I want to teach you a little bit of, skip through that, a little bit of Hebrew. Um, You read from right to left here. This is the root word, call, which literally means noise or voice. And this little b in front of it, bakol, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Bakol means to obey the voice. It adds that connotation. But take yourself back, if you will, to a time when you interacted with a toddler. I have a toddler in my home right now. She's lovely. I love her. Um, and often she will do things that she shouldn't do. Um, Recently, she's been trying to climb over the back of the couch, which is bad for the couch and bad for her and bad for my blood pressure. And so I say, Aletheia, uh, please don't do that. Please don't climb over the back of the couch. Here's an alternative activity. Let's go play a game. Let's go read a book. Let's go do something. And she keeps climbing. And I say, please, Aletheia, don't climb over the back of the couch. And she says, no, I'm going to do that. And she climbs over. And finally, I'm fed up. And I say, Aletheia, please listen to me. And when I say listen to me, I'm talking about obedience. I'm talking about an action. Would you please do what I'm telling you to do? But when I say listen, even more than that, what I'm trying to say is like, acknowledge me. (laughs) Acknowledge our relationship. Let me know that you can hear me. I'm not talking about an action. I'm talking about a posture of listening. And so this word here, obeyed, doesn't mean action. It's a posture of submission and a posture of humility. That God has brought this accusation against the people in the first few verses of the chapter, uh, chapter one of Haggai. God has brought this accusation of the people. You have not been faithful to our covenant. And their response should not be to hide their face or to plug their ears and say, la, 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 I can't hear you. I don't know what you're saying. And their response is not to make excuses. Oh, well, we didn't have the time. We didn't have the resources. We didn't have the know-how. Their response is to obey the voice, to listen. And very similarly, people of God, our response to God's accusations should be the same. Step one in accepting God's judgment is accepting it. Um, We individually and we corporately have broken God's covenant. I know a lot of times we think about this individually. I told a lie. Um, I stole something. I lost my temper. I, whatever, individually. But I want us to consider this morning, especially in context of Haggai 1, what it means for us as a 
community of God's people to accept his accusations against us. When we consider the covenant we have, not only with God, traced back all the way to Adam, but more specifically the covenant we have fulfilled in the person of Jesus, what does it look like for us to be unfaithful? How many of us have interacted with someone recently uh, who says they grew up in the church, I grew up going to church, and, uh, and then I left because I was hurt? Because when I came to church, I was told that I would have a place of accepting and belonging, um, but I was rejected because of how I looked or how I felt or what I believed. I was told when I would come to church that I would have a place of safety, but in fact, I was physically or emotionally or spiritually abused by the church. And it can be really easy for us to say, oh, well, not my church, not my Sunrise Ministries. No, we don't ever do that. You just haven't found the right church yet. You, you left church because you found some, some bad apples, but, but actually most churches are pretty good people. But that's making excuses, and that's covering our ears. If we want to accept God's judgment appropriately, we need to listen to his accusation, and we need to understand that we are culpable in the things that have hurt other people. We have broken covenant with God. And of course, if we were to end here at the end of verse 12, this would sound a lot like an ancient Near Eastern storm deity, right? Those gods that um, are pretty angry most of the time. And if you don't offer a sacrifice on the right solstice, and if you don't put an idol in the right place in your home, and if you don't say the right incantations at the right times, then they're going to be really mad at you, and they're going to send a drought on the land, and they're going to take away your crops. Uh, And again, if we pause right here, it might sound a lot like a business deal, right? You didn't scratch my back, so I'm not going to scratch yours. And yet, the story is not over there. When we go to verse 13, we find God's judgment. After his accusation, what is God's judgment on the people? Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. God's judgment on us is grace. If we're standing in a cosmic courtroom, which is a very kind of modern way for us to conceptualize our relationship with God, but if we are standing accused in a courtroom, we have been charged with breaking covenant, and God is the judge, and he's swinging his gavel, he's going to declare judgment on us, and we are expecting, and in fact we deserve, um, life in prison, the death penalty, right? Something very extreme and very harsh, and yet God swings the gavel and he says, I am with you. If we put this in New Testament terms, we remember Jesus is called Emmanuel, God with us. And in fact, if we refer back to that slide about all of those covenants through Scripture, Jesus fulfills every one, despite unfaithfulness the entire way on the part of the human agents in the covenant. God declares grace on us. Uh, the remnant in Israel, uh, notably, before they had completed the temple. The temple is a, a sign of God's presence with his people. It's an outward symbol that shows everybody God is here. God is here in this building. God is here in this place with us. 
And they didn't build the temple. It lay in ruins. And then God said, I am near you. I am, I am with you, despite your unfaithfulness. So, understanding now how we should receive God's accusation, and understanding what his judgment is, his judgment on us is love, how do we appropriately respond? And of course, you might have guessed it from the main point of this morning, but the response is obedience, that grace precedes obedience, and that means we need to obey. We have to do something in response. Um, obedience uh, did not earn God's favor. Again, it's not as though we did something on God's behalf or for God, and that benefited him, and so he's paying us back. But rather, our obedience is a response. And in fact, the only appropriate response. And it's a theme we find all throughout Scripture. I, I have a few examples listed. Uh, the people in Egypt were slaves for 400 years. And God saved them out of Egypt before they did anything in obedience to him. In fact, they were very likely... Um, stuck in that Egyptian culture and that Egyptian mindset. And so long before they had cleaned up their act and become properly God's people, he saved them. And then later he gave them the Ten Commandments. Abram, when he was called, God said, I chose you. Um, I have chosen you. And that was before Abram had done anything. It wasn't because of who Abram was. It was because of God's will. And then after he chose Abraham, he said, go to the land that I will show you. And in the New Testament, we have this story of a wee little man, Zacchaeus, and he climbs up in this tree, and Jesus comes, and he says, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm coming to your house today, for I'm coming to your house today, right? And we have this story of grace, that Zacchaeus climbs down out of the tree rejoicing. That's a word that Luke uses in his gospel to, to denote salvation, that someone who rejoices has been saved, he climbs down out of the tree, and Jesus comes and eats dinner with him, this act of intimate relationship and grace. And in response to that grace, Zacchaeus gives away his riches that he stole. Um, we receive grace before we are ever asked to keep our end of the deal, and this pattern is reflected super well in the Christian tradition of infant dedication or infant baptism, whichever one you prefer, uh, that God has moved first toward that child. That before that baby is able to take a step, before they can walk, uh, before they can speak, before they can say a sinner's prayer, or before they can um, intellectually assent to Trinitarian theology, God has moved toward that child and said, I love you. I am with you. Long before they do anything on his behalf. So, of course, our, our proper response is obedience. Um, and what this means is we have to keep in mind that neglecting the signs of the covenant is the same as neglecting the covenant. You don't want to be obsessed with the signs. Um, and in fact, quite often that was an issue in the Old Testament when people would, would prioritize only the signs and not fulfill uh, the actual terms of the covenant itself. But we need to remember that the signs and the covenant go hand in hand. The remnant in our story neglected God's covenant, uh, God's temple, which was the sign of his presence with them. And that neglecting of the sign equated with neglecting the covenant itself. Uh, and I want to consider this example this morning, if I can get it off my finger. This, there we go, is my 
wedding ring. And it signifies, it is an outward sign that I am married to Julie. And it's very sweet. Um, and if I were to take off this ring, and I were to go to an establishment that serves adult beverages, maybe a bar, and I were to take off this ring, and I were to go to a bar, and suppose there was somebody there at the bar who found me attractive enough to buy me a drink, right? Because they don't see the ring on my finger. Neglecting the sign of the covenant is a pretty good indicator that I might neglect the rest of the covenant. And that neglecting of the covenant would be uh, disastrous not only for my relationship with Julie, but also for my relationship with Aletheia and my relationship with the church and my relationship with my family. Um, that broken covenant in one place actually affects everyone around me. Likewise, if you were to come into our home, which guys are always welcome to come over to my house. Uh, if you were to come over to my home and you saw the pictures on the walls uh, and you came in and you saw a picture of Aletheia, our daughter, uh, you saw a picture of our dog, you saw a picture of our cat. Maybe you see pictures of our friends and our family, but you never saw a picture of Julie and I together. Pretty quick, you'd start to question the, the status of our covenant relationship. You'd say, man, I I don't see them together at all. That actually an outward sign of our relationship reminds us to fulfill the other duties of our relationship. But fear not, people of God, although we are broken and we have inherited a broken covenant, and although we do both individually and corporately fail to uphold both the signs and the terms of our covenant with God, we can remember this that our failure does not cancel the covenant. That uh, grace, again, overcomes our disobedience. Again, the, the people, the remnant in uh, Israel, did not obey God, and yet he loved them. And out of that love came their obedience. And in the same way today, uh, we failed, um, individually and corporately. But God has not left us. It's non-fungible. He didn't just give up on us. He didn't just walk away. God is still here. Uh, and for this, I would like to tell a quick story about Aletheia. Worship team can come on up. A quick story about Aletheia. It's not a specific one, but it is, unfortunately, a repeated story. Um, I have made it my goal as a father, to be a daddy that Aletheia does not need to heal from when she's older. I don't want her to have to recover from me. Um, and I've not always done a very good job of that. And some of that is in the little things. Sometimes I'm on my phone uh, dissociating and doom scrolling on Instagram, and she's begging for my attention, and I just can't give it to her. And that's a pretty good sign that I've broken covenant with her. But even more than that, um, and I'm hoping other parents, I'm hoping other parents relate to this, but there are so many times, she's a toddler, it's bedtime, she's tired, I'm tired, she's screaming, I'm screaming, she's crying, I'm crying. Um, the whole relationship is falling apart. We're breaking covenant. And at the end of, of this covenant-breaking episode, we're sitting in the chair in the corner of a room, 
both took some deep breaths to calm down. And I'm just overwhelmed, and I just feel awful. I really messed this one up. And sometimes Alethea will reach up with her hand, put it on my cheek. And she says, I love you, Dada. And I wonder how it is that a not even three-year-old knows how to love like God better than we do. We've broken covenant with God. And still he loves us. And still he moves toward us before we have the chance to do anything in response. People of God, grace precedes obedience and grace overcomes disobedience. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we do love you. And we know that you love us even when, and perhaps especially when, we don't deserve it. God, remind us of that love. Remind us of your intimate relationship and presence with us and remind us that we are to bear your fruit in the world as faithfulness to your covenant and your good promises that you fulfill. We love you and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. A little earlier in the service, um, I had mentioned that one of our core values here at Sunrise is thankfulness, to be thankful. So as we sing this closing song, let's let's do that. Let's be thankful. But it's also um, one of the ways we can be thankful to God is being generous and um, giving back to God. So today, um, as we close this service, um, we also encourage you guys to to bless God and give back to what he's given to you. So um, we'll be receiving tithes and offerings. You can do that through the app, through the website. We do have a bucket. Actually, just kidding. It's a box now, a beautiful box with a cross on it between the doors and also as you go out. So Let's be generous people and give back to him. Let's sing together, Waymaker.
miracle work, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are here, touching every heart. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, healing every heart. I worship you. I worship You are here, turning lives around. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, mending every heart. I worship you. Daddy 
people of God, Jesus loves you, and we love you. And as you go from this place, may the grace of Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and stay with you always. Go in peace.